This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights profession, everyone who wants to understand their customers better. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Real Talk, the Customer Insight Show. We are live on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, and the podcast version will be available on your favorite podcast network later this week. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to share them. You can also leave us a voicemail um, on the link on screen and in the show notes. We may feature your message in a future show. So certainly we all want our businesses to grow and for that we need customers and repeat customers for that matter. Um, on a previous episode with Andy Barraclough, we discussed customer-led product development. Today we're going to talk about business customer-led growth strategies. I'm joined by Georgiana Laudi, a longtime marketing executive and growth advisor to subscription businesses. She's co-founder at Forget the Funnel, where she helps marketers, consultants, startup founders, and product managers leverage customer-led growth strategies. She's an exec-level growth strategist and supports scaling SaaS businesses and helps marketing and growth leaders be more effective. Now, before we get into today's topic, I just want to take a moment. Um, I personally have had some incredible women mentors that have helped me get where I am today in my career and continue to help me on my journey. Um, Gia is one of those incredibly smart and groundbreaking women that I've had the pleasure to learn from, and I'm really excited to welcome her to the show today. Welcome, Gia. Ah, thank you so much. That's so nice. Really excited to have you here. I've loved working with you, and I think it's amazing to have you on on International Women's Day. Thank you. You too. Happy Women's Day. And I learned about your journey into focusing on customer-led growth. Oh, wow. Um, well, it definitely uh, started in with sort of my love affair of marketing and tech. Those two things coming together really did, um, you know, they were the catalyst for it. And, and my sort of uh, realization in about I want to say it was like 2010-ish when I realized that all these tech startups that were popping up around me locally, and I was very sort of embedded in the tech community locally, um, they were, a lot of them were subscription-based SaaS uh, companies, and I recognized this need for marketing spanning the entire customer journey, not as having only to do with acquisition and you know leads, 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 but very much uh, having a really important role to play in generating revenue for the business and playing a very pivotal role in that even post acquisition. And I was like, yep, that's where I wanna be. Those are the types of companies that they recognize that there is a really important role for marketing um, in driving revenue and driving growth. And so I sort of never looked back. I you know fell in love with that business model and that's where I've been sort of since. And Customer-led growth really is about the sort of, you know, the the marriage of that and the holistic customer experience, and really about driving value throughout the customer experience. That is a topic that comes up quite frequently of the role of marketing and demand generation versus expansion, and that that like you say that full customer journey. There yeah. is, you know, a, a kind of 
baseline sense that marketing's role is to drive demand and drive new leads and, um, you know, kind of expanding that throughout the, the customer journey. I think post acquisition is actually a huge part of that, that, you know, marketing isn't always, it's not always top of mind for marketers or for businesses that marketing is a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. so that's like such a, such a key point. And I think that t- like that topic comes up over and over again of what is the role in marketing post acquisition? What is the role um, in customer growth, especially, especially when you have businesses that have, you know, customer success teams and teams that yeah. are responsible for, um, you know, post acquisition. So, you know, uh, what what is the role of marketing in in those kinds of environments in post acquisition? Yeah, I mean, the, t- the titles vary and the, the title doesn't really matter all that much. There's a lot of companies that have like customer experience teams or customer success teams or product marketing teams, um, you know, or, or marketing or customer marketing. There's all types of titles. The, um, the sort of way I've looked at it is that it's sort of it's this type of skill set to s- communicate value and make value really obvious and view it through the lens of the customer that it's a skill set that we as marketers have just gotten really good at. Like we have to be very good at messaging and positioning and making sure that we're communicating things in a way that, you know, people understand whether or not they are people, you know, prospects or people customers. And so it's just this skill set that marketers have sort of developed that call it marketing post acquisition, call it product marketing, call it customer success, call it customer experience, it doesn't really matter what you call it, but that skill set that marketers tend to have and tend to be really sort of good at um, is the important part. The title is not quite as important and it will change from company to company, you know. Yeah. I would say even like product marketing, 10 different companies will have, you know, 10 different definitions of product marketing and how that role fits in. Um, same goes with customer experience. So um, again, it's not title so much as it is the 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 way you sort of think about it and the skill set and the way that you execute on that on that work and delivering that value that's so true we could have probably our own a whole episode just talking about the different definitions of product marketing in different companies (laughs) it's a it's a an ongoing joke of you know yeah there are a lot of different interpretations of what that is but that's not what we're talking about today (laughs) um so what do you mean but when you say customer-led growth what does that mean to you yeah um so customer-led growth really um i mean okay my my sort of the the genesis of it for me was really this moment where um as as luck would have it a friend of mine um was working as a product manager at Airbnb. And when I was in San Francisco one time, um, he invited uh, myself, who was leading marketing in at a SaaS company. And um, along with me was uh, the head of customer success. And so we went to this like beer Friday at the Airbnb headquarters uh, in San Francisco. And like being from Vancouver, we were like, this is awesome. The office was awesome and beautiful. It was like very uh, exciting to be there. But this, I had this a bit of an epiphany moment. We went downstairs to the basement where the product team was working. And there was these pieces of paper taped to the wall, like 10 pieces of paper taped to the wall. And at first glance, it just looked like a, a standard customer journey, but it was through the lens of the customer 
not through the lens of the business. So up until that point, we've been talking about MQL and SQL and customer and, you know, weekly actives and monthly actives and sort of these more, um, I don't want to say transactional because they're not all transactional, but a little bit more sort of transactional ways to like buckets that we sort of put our customers in. But what was different about this one was that it was all through the lens of the customer and the customer sort of reaching these value milestones along their relationship with Airbnb. And I, Airbnb is a marketplace. It wasn't even the type, same type of business model that, you know, we were working in, but I was just like, wait a minute, this is a complete sort of flipping the sort of the view of the customer, not through the lens of the value to the business, but through the lens of value to the customer. And it was like illustrated. And it was like, you know, the emotional journey was there and the language that they use. I was like, I just, we had this, you know, this sort of eureka moment and we went back, uh, back home and we, myself, so head of marketing, head of CS and head of product, who was one of the co-founders, uh, we like locked ourselves in a room for three days and just like made our own, which by the way, riddled with like no customer, re not a based on like customer <laughs> research. It was all based on what we knew about customers. I digress. At the end of the day, we put together our first sort of customer journey map through this lens and it did a lot of things for us. I mean, I can I can get into the details of, of how it sort of affected the team and how we ran and the programs that we ran as a result. But at the end of the day, customer-led growth is really about sort of taking the sort of uh, operationalizing what you know about your customers, operationalizing customer value so that the team can build really powerful programs based on delivering value as opposed to these transactional sort of buckets that we tend to lean on a lot when we use marketing automation tools and you know we we fall back on the sort of transactional because it's easier uh when really if we were measuring what we were doing in our efforts through the eyes of is a customer reaching a value moment uh or a goal then our programs would be wrapped up in their success as opposed to the other way around um or, or just being about ours and i mean it would stand to reason we help our customers be more successful our business will be more successful and um, so yeah that's really what it is it's about operationalizing customer insight in a way that the team can sort of run with and build really powerful strategies seems so simple but it is so powerful to flip that lens and to be thinking about those stages of the customer journey in terms of where they're getting value as opposed to where we're getting value and so is, is that really like the basis of your whole concept of forget the funnel, you know, that marketing funnel is all about, you know, MQL, SQL, you know, and so on and so forth, all the way through to purchase are all the stages that we measure as marketers or as businesses. And so this idea that, you know, I, I started looking at a lot of your forget the funnel content long before I met you. And I like it, it really sort of blew my mind you know, this idea of, you know, well, what do you mean forget the funnel? Like the funnel is everything, right? But um, flipping it on its head and really um, focusing on the customer value is is so powerful. Um, I think one of the, you know, one of the challenges I've had it with this sort of mindset is like, how do you measure those value stages, right? Because things like sure very tangible um you so. say that but <laughs> i mean you say that but a lot of companies do have a really like ask somebody not on a marketing team what qualifies somebody to be marketing a marketing leader marketing qualified like that definition 
is sometimes arbitrary. It's just as arbitrary as coming up with some other sort of KPI, right? Like if you're going to be coming up for a depth with the definition of MQL or SQL, you might as well come up with a definition of what makes somebody, you know, um, I mean, I'll just throw out names here because the naming convention is not important, but like interested or evaluation or some sort of stage that uh, or milestone or leap of faith that a customer is taking. It's just as arbitrary as MQL or SQL. It's just that, you know, entering a credit card or, um, you know, putting their email address in exchange, providing an email or putting a webinar or something to that effect. Um, it's, is it easier to, you know, say email received, so therefore somebody is, is interested? I mean, no, it's, it's, it's just as, as complicated. So I can actually go and like now answer the, the question, which is, if you can get, if you can conduct some customer research, and I'm not talking, you know, the most sophisticated, elaborate customer research project in the world here, it doesn't have to be anything over the top. You can start with a sort of iterative approach to research to begin with. But if you can ask some really key questions of your customers, now customers is a whole loaded thing, right? Like just the definition of customers is a whole discussion point. So if you can sort of I guess the first thing that you would have to do is really identify who are the people that you would have to pry your product out of their cold, dead hands. Like that is a customer. Those are the people that you want to learn from. Those are the people that um, you want to sort of lean into and solve for so that you can find more of those people and you want to solve for them. Those are your, those are your customers. I mean, obviously we all have customers that are um, a little bit more passive or maybe they're so new that they don't, they haven't quite met or reached full value realization, or they've been around for so long that when they signed up, they don't even, you know, remember why they signed up anymore. They've been around for so long. There, there's those groups, of course, I'm not saying that they're not important, but if you can carve out a segment of those really highly engaged, high value customers that would never let you go and find out from them a few key things about what happened um, not only before becoming your customer, but even in the um, in the process of becoming so through through the buying process, and then even after the the buying process, what happened after that, and you know what what was a moment where they truly built a habit or became engaged, and what was the moment that they expanded their usage of your product in some way? If you can find out what that journey looked like, even if you're just developing a hypothesis to begin with based on some research, then you can identify what those leaps of faith are. And once you can identify what those leaps of faith are, then you can sort of lean into each one and say, okay, I mean, the, the lens that I like to look at it through is through like thinking, feeling, and doing. So what are they doing as they're making these decisions? What are they thinking as they're making these decisions? And what are they feeling? And what are they feeling is, Finding out sort of where their their what their emotional journey is is really helpful in figuring out what those leaps of faith are, and if you can tie that back to what they're thinking, so their why, um, then you can also figure out what actions are they likely taking when they're making these decisions, and um, if you have some actions based on the why, right, you can figure out the what, and if you can figure out the what, then you can figure out how to measure it, mm -hmm. and you can put the mechanics in place to figure out how to measure that stuff. You kind of challenge like MQLs are easy to measure. You're right. I mean, there are so many different ways that different companies define what that means. And, you know, at what at what point does a prospect become an MQ? Like, you know, it, it isn't any more complicated to, you know, focus that more on the, the customer value at that moment. Yeah. yeah. 
And so how does this all fit in with the sort of jobs to be done framework? Like, mm -hmm. you know, as we're doing customer research and trying to understand what those leaps of faith are and those value moments, you know, uh, yeah. it's very much tied in, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love the jobs to be done framework. I do not pretend to be the foremost authority on jobs. Um, I love it as a framework and as a theory to sort of um, think about the sort of uh, the journey that a customer will take. I'm trying not to like overuse the word journey, <laughs> but I mean, it just is right. Um, but to sort of figure out, you know, what was that trigger moment? What was that struggle or that pain that led to somebody seeking out a solution like yours? Once they did start, you know, looking for a solution and evaluating the options uh, available to them, what was it that motivated them to sort of move forward with you? What were their uh, what were their motivations is super important. Also, what are their objections is another thing that's really important to understand. And then for what was the ultimate goal, right? So what are they able to do now that they weren't able to do before? So the very typical sort of job statement, customer job statement would be when I struggle, so blank, whatever the struggle happens to be, I want to or help me blank, whatever their motivations are, whatever they need to see in a solution so I can blank is the desired outcome. So what is it that they're trying to accomplish? Now, that might be that might be, you know, uh, impress their boss. It might be be taken more seriously at work. It might be um, you know, I mean, I could come up with a gazillion, but it it's not always so straightforward. It's not always, well, they want to make they want to save time, you know, save money, save time. Save money, save time, save time. Like the the very like course we want to help our customers save time and save money but that's not at the core of what they're trying to accomplish and the jobs to be done framework is very helpful in teasing out the why behind why these decisions are being made and what people are truly looking for and for what end so that when you when you can take that customer data after doing that research you really have a sort of deeper understanding um, in the thinking and you can identify those milestones in that relationship with you even more so. All the way from experiencing the problem that you solve, they don't even know you exist yet, potentially, right? You might not even be in their purview at all. Uh, experiencing the problem all the way through to, you know, evaluating the solution, um, introducing it to their colleagues, getting buy-in from their stakeholders, through to, you know, building a habit and becoming truly engaged, all the way through to growth and expansion and, you know, screaming your name from the mountaintops. Um, so that entire customer experience and really unpacking all of that is uh, really helpful when you think about, um, well, sorry, really helpful when you can use a framework like the Jobs to be Done uh, framework. And I, I'm not going to say it solves for everything. It doesn't solve for everything, but you could go back and um, so for with some pretty simple research projects, you can go back again and run a, like another survey or, you know, you could survey your longstanding customers and find out or those who recently expanded and find out, you know, what was what was that new struggle? What, when Once they solved their first job to be done, what's their next job to be done? And you can build from there as well. So it can be applied in multiple places throughout, you know, a customer led growth sort of approach. It's interesting. I was as you were talking about, you know, the the kind of motivation and desired outcome. And, you know, there is sort of a like business motivation and a personal motivation. Like these are people. They're not just, you know, buyers. Right. And they all have sort of personal motivations. And um, 
you know, last week I was talking on the show with uh, Megan from PepsiCo and she was talking about, you know, the person behind the consumer, the person behind the customer. Like there are so many other things going on in people's lives. I mean, especially now everybody's all a little, you know, we're, we're dealing with stuff, right? <laughs> so understanding those personal motivations behind these kind of cohorts of people and, and our, our customers can really help to um, understand what we're offering is going to meet their needs beyond saving time, saving money, and, you know, right. sort of, you know, meeting those business needs. How do you know that a customer you? That'd be a bit of a silly question. <laughs> it is, yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, every scenario, you can always benefit from, I mean, if you have customers, I guess that would be my way to answer it. If you have customers, a customer-led growth approach would probably be a good idea. Uh, Again, you know, if you have customers and you have a team that you need to mobilize, if you're like a solo operator um, that really intimately knows your customers and you're not just taking for granted that like you are the customer in that extreme situation, right? Where you might be like, well, I'm the customer, I know the customer, that happens a lot of that you need to, you know, mobilize to build really powerful strategies and you want to empower them to, you know, build strategies and and build programs and test things and experiment and, uh, you know, dig in where there needs to be a little bit more digging potentially in like, uh, you know, how your product needs to evolve or could potentially evolve. You want to give your team the freedom to do that, but a really, you know, powerful way to give your team freedom is to give them constraints, ironically, right? But I mean, everybody sort of understands. here's the, the leap of faith that you are solving for. And, um, you know, here's what we know so far about this particular milestone in our customer's relationship with us. Lean in there and, and solve for that. So one of the, you know, one of the moments that you might decide, I have to take this approach is if you have decided you want, if you decided your business, uh, you know, you want to go from a sales led to a product led approach, you got to start with a customer led approach. Like you've got to learn what it will take, not only from your customer standpoint to give them what they need in order to make a decision without a sales touch, but also your team needs just as much guidance as you know, your product does, or as your you know CX materials or marketing materials will need. Your team also needs to understand um, how to you know when to get in touch and when to to hang back, and you know when they're a critical component versus when they should let the product do the the speaking and things like that. So there's if you're making. I always say the best time to sort of implement something like that. There's, I mean, anytime is a good time. If you're like pre-launch, you're about to go to market, uh, you know, you're updating your product potentially, uh, you know, you have a new feature launch or something like that. That's significant. Another moment is when you're making a, you know, a pretty significant change to your business. If you need to do repositioning, which many, I would wager like 90% of companies probably needed to reposition themselves last spring. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't done it yet, well, they've definitely been thinking about it and it's on the docket for sure to happen. Yeah. So a lot of companies did repositioning this past year. If you're, again, if you're thinking about leading, you know, using a product led strategy like Freemium or something like that, that is, again, I'm speaking from the sort of tech and, and SaaS world here, but making major product shifts in your, in your uh, potentially business model or with your product, if you're launching a new feature, if you're lo- bringing a new uh, product to market, all really good times. Oh, shifting, also shifting market, right? If you have decided, you know, we want to, we have a Europe-based customer base right now, we want to shift uh, to North American market or South American market or, or 
any what have you, that is also a really good time as well to launch a project like this so that you can sort of force yourself to go back to a blank slate and learn what you need to in order to create the bones for the kind of customer experience um, you're going to need to build and then figure out like in what order do we need to build um, for second and third and implement things. So I, I would say anytime <laughs> if you have customers and you have a team, but especially if you are making a, you need to make a significant shift uh, in the business in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say also just to add to that, like, if you're not making a significant shift in your business, but enough time has gone by, it's yeah. probably a good time to revisit the work that's been done because, you know, things change all the time. Businesses change, the world changes, like, yeah. you know, uh, I, I mean, we did a lot of repositioning work over the last year, like to your point, like 90% of companies should have, um, yeah. But I would argue that you should probably revisit your positioning on a regular basis anyhow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So motor inconsistent growth is usually at the top of the list for um, sort of problems or like a business problem that want, that needs to be solved if, if a business is experiencing slowed or inconsistent growth, COVID related or not. Um, yeah. That is like a, a really great time if you're, um, your child paid or your customer onboarding isn't performing as well, or you suspect that your customer onboarding could be performing better, uh, right? Like there's this moment where like, we're getting lots of leads, but not all those leads are turning into customers. Zoom in there and solve for that specific thing is a really great way to sort of introduce a customer led uh, like framework like this. And then once you solve for that, you know, particular milestone or a couple of milestones. Um, usually that involves the website and positioning as well. <laughs> if onboarding is not going so well, likely there's a positioning problem. Um, but if you can solve for that, that, you know, the, the website, you know, your website through to somebody becoming a customer, then you can expand outwards from there, right? Then you can turn up the dial on marketing and experiment with new marketing. And you can also turn up the dial with expansion and customer marketing and referral and, and you know, monetization strategies post customer engagement. So a lot, I would say, you know, 99 times of 99 times out of 100, maybe, yeah, close to that, the people are solving for positioning and messaging and customer onboarding, customer adoption um, sort of stage, and then they can build out from there. Which is, that's like my favorite place to hang out. <laughs> That's fun work right there. A lot, a lot of good work to be done there. Yeah. And, so you, you talked a lot about like the teams and kind of getting teams aligned. And and earlier you talked about, you know, yourself, customer success, head of product, kind of working on this stuff together. Like mm -hmm. who should really own a customer-led strategy? Yeah, great question. Um I, I mean, it depends on depending on the organization. Uh, and the size of the organization and what departments exist. Um, so if I if I just think about a team, a company where like a very typical SaaS would have a, a marketing team, a customer success team, a product team, uh, an engineering team. Everybody should oh, and a and a and a like a leadership team. Mm -hmm basically one person from every single one of those departments. Now there's obviously companies that have product marketing teams. And so if there is a product marketing team 
uh, within your organization that I would definitely say something like this should probably be led in, in product marketing um, just because there's such a close tie with product marketing with all the other departments. Sorry, I left out sales. <laughs> sales should, should definitely be there too. Sorry, <laughs> left that one out. Um, but in general, I mean, what I've seen is that it's very, it works very well when product marketing leads it. It can work very, if there is no product marketing team, then it can work very well when CS or marketing uh, leads it. Um, the reason that I say those as opposed to the product team is just because a lot of the time, well, first of all, as we all know, product teams are like their bandwidth is always scarce. They've always got a backlog uh, and like amazing roadmap that they're working on. And in general, you would want somebody from product to be present and to have a really important role in pushing something like this forward. But um, whenever possible, and this is maybe just my own like baggage and history, I try as much as possible to influence the customer experience without having to hold everything up with product development, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So if I can influence the customer experience without the product needing to be updated, I will try every chance I get. Just because generally it's a hypothesis, like you're building out a program on top of a product and you wanna validate it. And once you can validate it with a customer experience layer, well then maybe the product team's gonna be like, yep, uh, Taking that one, now we're going to solve for it within the product itself and they can prioritize it a lot more easily. In general, uh, leadership teams really appreciate the product team and the engineering team being safeguarded in that way. So um, definitely cross-functional, but um, marketing CS, product marketing, if you have a CX team, obviously that would be a great person or, or team to champion it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I think the, the your point about product kind of being safeguarded is... Is important because you're right they're you know always um you it's know, just realistic yeah there's right? always a, a long list of of great ideas right yeah. and to be able to back some of those things up with some data or some experimentation that's done outside of the product really helps to prioritize that sort of thing 100 um, you can make a business case that's like one of the best things that you can do. Absolutely. And there's so many different ways you can kind of get something, you know, halfway there, three quarters of the way there without involving like extensive, you know, really test things out and then say, hey, this is really working. Like, what can yeah. we do to expand on this or make it better? How should a team go about starting to implement a customer led growth strategy? What's the first step? First step would definitely be deciding um, what is the specific thing that you're going to solve for. Mm -hmm. So getting really clear. I mean, I, I call it critical business opportunity um, just because if you can, as a team, um, obviously with alignment with the, you know, state, there is a business opportunity that you have to solve for that is critical to solve for then buy-in across the board and for the long haul will go a lot smoother. Um, and so, like I said, product adoption is a really popular one um, that, you know, people recognize we could be actually be doing better here. And if, if we, you know, improved product adoption by 2%, 5%, 15%, what would that mean for revenue? Mm -hmm. And that math is very easy to do, should be very easy to do. And if, and you know, I mean, it's worth more to your business to improve product adoption or product engagement 
then it will be to invest in more top of funnel marketing. Mm -hmm. will always be more, worth more to your business. And if you can improve those product adoption and product activation uh, numbers, then um, the, your marketing is worth that much more. Yeah. Um, so I, it's always focus on a specific problem that you want to solve, paint a picture of what good looks like, i.e. revenue in, in a lot of cases. Um, and it's not only, it's not just revenue, it's lifetime value of your customers too, because the customers that you'll be bringing in the door will be worth more to you in the long run because they'll have engaged more quickly. They'll have brought more team members in potentially if we're talking about a B2B, they'll have brought more team members in earlier. So they'll be more invested in your product uh, sooner, um, which leads to, I mean, all kinds of things in terms of like uh, average revenue, uh, you know, per account or per customer, their retention rates and all sorts of things. Product adoption influences so much sort of downstream. Um, if you can solve for that, then the other things become really exciting afterwards, right? So like if we can increase, you know, our product adoption, you know, from 15% to 30%, and then we throw marketing on the top of this thing, um, then it gets really exciting to, to start thinking about the, the results that that can drive. So yeah, solving for a specific thing is definitely, um, it helps focus research too, when you're solving for a specific sort of um, part of the customer experience, it helps. Yeah, I could see that. That's a big challenge when, when doing any kind of customer research is you want to ask all the questions. Mm -hmm. you know? And so having a kind of focused outcome of like, this is the problem that we're trying to solve for, you know, can really help like, yeah, there's a hundred questions we want to ask and a hundred different surveys we want to run, but here's the one that's really important to us right now. And yeah. the other stuff we can figure out later. And I love how you talked about too, like, what does success look like? You know, what does solving this problem look like for us? Yeah. Um, and, and how impactful would that be? Um, because that again, helps to just focus like, yeah, there's a million other questions we want to answer, but this, if we, if we get this one, right, this is what, what the, what impact is going to have. Yeah, exactly. And it has to be continuously championed though, internally. Right. And if you can sort of keep eye on the prize, whoever's championing it, needing to keep the leadership team with their eye on the prize as well, so that they don't lose steam. So they continue to champion it with the leadership team. Um, that's really, really important. And also being a marketer about it, which is why it's very well led by marketing, right? Like if you can market it internally um, properly to stakeholders and to the adjacent teams and to your like CLG team um, and keep everybody as involved um, as they need to and looped in and feeling invested in the outcome and understanding how their team will be affected by the outcome, that's definitely the way to sort of give it legs internally. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, oh, sorry, I'm gonna welcome my dog Henrik onto the show. He likes to make an appearance from time to time. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lot to say about customer-led growth. <laughs> Um, but why is customer-led growth especially relevant for SaaS businesses? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the subscription business model, I mean, not just SaaS, but any business that is built on a subscription model, it's really critical for to understand, have an intimate relationship with your customer because subscription models are based on customer relationships. And it's not just about you know, attracting somebody through, it's not just about getting some 
like through the front door. It's really about keeping that relationship going for the long haul and really understanding intimately what they're what they're uh, solving for. Another reason why with SaaS it's so advantageous is because in recent years SaaS has just exploded. Like if you only look at Martech, so the marketing technology space. I mean, we've all seen, hopefully we've all seen the MarTech, uh, with Scott Brinker did like the MarTech landscape. Mm-hmm. And in, it's, is it 7,400% growth mm-hmm. in MarTech in se- a seven year span of time? Like wrap your head around how much harder it is not only to acquire customers, but to retain customers when the competitive landscape has exploded like that. Add to that, people's comfort level with software. So, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you might've been bringing on a B2B purchaser who was a little bit less comfortable, um, you know, bringing in a new tool and introducing a new tool. Mm -hmm. Tools are so much easier to adopt now. It is so much easier to quit (laughs) and, you know, like cancel and change. Like the switching costs have come way, 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 way down. Uh, customers' experience uh, and expectations have gone way, way, way up, right? Even in B2B, people are expecting a very B2C experience and polish. Um, So there's just so many reasons. Like the competitive landscape has exploded. People's expectations are higher than they've ever been because they have so much more choice, because we, we acclimate to software a lot more easily than we used to, and switching costs have come way, way down. Um, and uh, like add to that as well. Another thing is that because the switching cost has come way down, your cost to acquire customers also needs to come down. So as much as you can lower the cost to acquire, like you're lowering your CAC is really, really terrible acronym, but it's really, <laughs> really critical um, to acquire. And this is why product-led growth strategies uh, are so powerful right now. And freemium is so powerful because you need to bring down the cost to acquire customers in order to compete. So your unit economics have to be really um, fine-tuned and you have to have really healthy, uh, you know, cost of acquisition to LTV ratios. And a really powerful way to do that is using product-led strategies, but product-led strategies are not going to get you anywhere if you don't understand your customers. Yeah. You can't implement a product-led strategy. You can't implement freemium until you understand what led this person through the front door. What, what are they, you know, what solution are they firing um, in order to, you know, onboard into your product or evaluate your product? Um, you know, what are the other options? Who else do they need around them? What's motivating them? What are their objections? All of those, all of those things you need to really continuously, like not just one time, but you have to continuously be learning and iterating on your customer insight and your customer intelligence um, and get really, really good at that and continue to evolve that. That's why it's not just about, you know, product development the customer experience layer on top of your product needs to evolve along with it, along with your customer and along with your product. It's really, there's really like a line that you have to play there and it you really do have to do this continuously over time. And the, the products and the companies that can do this well will reap the benefits. Those who really intimately understand the problem that they're solving. Um, Cause sales does a great job because there's a human being a human being will always do a better job than a product. And and if you have to replace that human being with a product-led strategy, you better be creating something that resonates and something that lands and something that really speaks to the human being um, like another human being could. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it, that intimate customer understanding is 
really, really critical yeah. for product-led strategies. It's so key. And I feel like too, as you're talking about, you know, like the MarTech landscape, like, and all the competition, like you're no longer competing against other similar technologies that solve the same problem. You're also competing against technologies that solve all the other problems. There's a lot of problems I'm trying to solve for in my day to day and different tools and technologies. And if something's not meeting my needs from a tech perspective, I may not necessarily abandon that tech for a competitive piece of technology. I may abandon it for a piece of technology that solves a different problem for me. Right. right. So you're, you know, constantly kind of needing to understand mm -hmm. and being able to meet that need from a product perspective and from a positioning perspective. So people know that you meet that need because there is so much competition beyond just you know, a, a competing product. And I think that's similar too in, in the kind of B2C um, world and consumer products and things like that. Like it's no longer necessarily a, a brand loyalty thing, right? It's which products are, are gonna meet a different need for me and how do, how do those brands understand those different needs? I was struck, um, you know, I'm, I, I love commercial and things like that. And this year there was a, a P&G ran a Super Bowl commercial for Microban, which is like an antibacterial spray, right? Like never before would P&G like probably use a like that high profile, a commercial slot for that type of product. But consumer needs have changed and understanding what the consumer needs are right now can help you to position and market your products more effectively to meet those needs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't need to do a huge customer journey map to understand that people care about antibacterial products right now, but <laughs> into understanding what the customer struggle is and being able to meet that need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I with, with technology, like with software, um, you can do that at scale. If you, I mean, not that, not that PNG is not at scale. <laughs> I, what I mean is like having the product sort of lead that experience and have the, that customer find the solution that they need. I mean, what you were just making me think of is, you know, once that, if you were thinking about canceling a product that you were using um, or just like, I'm not getting as much value as I did when I first started this product. I mean, that product would be really well served to understand once you solve your first customer job, once that first job to be done has been solved for and you're an engaged sort of longtime customer, what next? And the job, it doesn't stop there, right? Like how do you help your customer continue to evolve and improve and not only, not only expand usage in terms of like, let's get more seats in here, but, you know, evolve with your product and become more successful and highlight that there's all kinds of things like customer marketing is probably one of the like coolest, you know, roles to sit in right now because it's kind of uncharted territory for a lot of these companies that haven't even, it's a bit of a luxury when you get to customer marketing, right? You're like, mm -hmm. it's exciting because <laughs> we spend so much time, you know, worrying about acquisition. Mm -hmm. Once you get to customer marketing, it's like fuel on, on the fire a bit where like you can, continue to help them, retain them for the long term, exp potentially expand their usage, showcase them, 
um, turn them into evangelists. You know, there's all kinds of really cool stuff that can happen there. And that's what you just made me think of is like how you evolve with yeah. the products uh, that you use is really, that's on the products, not on you, right? Yeah, for sure. And how your needs change too. And you yeah. kind of, you know, go through, you know, I, I was just thinking like a, like a customer journey is not a straight line, right? No. It's, there's a lot of looping and going backwards and forwards. And, you know, just like you're saying, like, you know, now I'm a longstanding customer, my needs are different, potentially, maybe my, my, my problem was already solved. And right. so how does that kind of continue to evolve? Yeah. Um, this is fantastic. I feel like there's a lot more things that we could talk talk about. I could sit here and talk for hours about this stuff. Um, but this has been really fantastic. Um, thank you so much for for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this stuff. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. It's always fun to talk with you. I know. You too. This has been great. Well, thank you everyone who's listening for, for joining us today. Please rate and review us on your favorite network. And don't forget to share our show with your friends, coworkers, and family. In the next episode, I'll be joined by James Dodkins. That is going to be a really fun chat. You're not going to want to miss it. So we'll see you next week. Thanks.